Let me start off with a story. There was a Sunday school teacher that supposedly was teaching her kids about the different types of sin. And she said, kids, there's two different types of sin. There's commission and omission. She said, can anyone raise their hand and tell me what the sins of commission are? One kid raised his hand and said, well, those are the sins that God says to, not to do something, and you do it anyway. And the teacher said, that's exactly right. Way to go. And she said, can anyone raise their hand and tell me what the sins of omission are? And the kid raised his hand and said, those are the sins that you really want to do, but you haven't got around to it yet. That, um, no, that's not right, is it? Actually, the sins of omission, they're not, we don't talk about them as much at church those are the things that God has commanded us to do, but we aren't doing. And I want to tell you, I want to make a, 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 a statement. Let me see if you, you follow with me here. I think we're living in a time where there is great accountability for sins of commission, but very weak accountability for sins of omission. We live in a time where, as a Christian, if you do something that the Bible says not to do, there's a good chance that someone may call you on that. They may hold you accountable for that, or they may question you about that. But very seldom does that happen with sins of omission. And very seldom do we hold ourselves to account with sins of omission as, as strictly as we do with the sins of commission. And that's definitely true of what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about speaking to the lost. Uh, if you're like, like many in our church and, and me for many years, uh, I, I was really careful in trying to honor God and to, and to seek Him, and, and I was really careful but with, the, with the lifestyle I lived to make sure it lined up with God's Word, but I realized after many, many years that there was, with all those things I was focusing on, I was missing out on one of the greatest focuses that we can have while we're here on this earth reaching those that are lost. Now, there's a lot of things that go into being a Christian, and sometimes it's hard to know what to focus on. But one way to think about it is this, that why don't we focus on now what we can't do later? Do you realize that sharing our faith is the only act of Christian obedience that we can't do better in heaven? Think of it. You know, when we get to heaven, I'll be able to I think I'll be able to pray just as good, if not better, in heaven, right? Because God will be face-to-face -face with me. Uh, when I get to heaven, the worship, as good as it was, and your worship band is incredible. I thought it was a CD when I walked in. Uh, incredible job by, by your worship team. But I think the worship in heaven with billions of believers is going to be arguably e even stronger than we have here on this earth, right there with God right beside us. But there's one act of Christian obedience I can't do better in heaven. In fact, I can't even do it in heaven. And that is, I cannot share my faith. By then, it will be too late. I've got to make sure that this is an act of obedience that I am living out here while I am on earth. So I want to talk to you today about sharing your faith. Take your copy of the Bible. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. It sounds a little echoey up here. Is it echoey out there? Uh, it just, it's, just, it's probably because I'm back here with the monitors. I want to make sure I don't step into your mic stand here, bro. Let's scoot that back. Colossians chapter 4. While you're turning there, would you agree with me that there are two things we've got to do if we're going to grow God's kingdom? Two things we've got to do, and Jesus did it. We've got to seek the lost, and we've got to speak to the lost. We're going to talk about the latter today, but as you're turning, I want to remind you that 
Before we speak to the lost, we've got to be faithful in seeking the lost. Luke 19.10 says this, The Son of Man, Jesus speaking of Himself, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. Jesus said it of Himself, and then Jesus exemplified it, did He not? You know, Jesus was one who went directly to people who did not know Him to have conversation with them. Uh, we sing it in children's Sunday school and a vacation Bible school when we were kids, right? Zacchaeus was a little man, a wee little man was he. Climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. How does that song end? And for I'm going to your house today. That's what Jesus did. He went to the house of Zacchaeus, the tax collector, a, a, a profession that was no, notable in its time for being un, unfaithful to the truth, uh, a sinful occupation of his time, by, at least by reputation. Jesus spent time with prostitutes. Jesus spent time with Pharisees. Jesus went to where people were that were lost, and he engaged with them. He sought the lost. And we've got to remember that the Bible's command for growing God's kingdom, the Bible's model is not they come, it's we go. It's not they come, it's we go. If we just wait for people to walk into our churches and to find out about Jesus, we're only going to reach a certain number of people, aren't we? But that's not even the Bible's model. The Bible's model isn't wait till they come, it is we go. Jesus said at the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, 20, that we were to go into all nations. We will go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 20, 21, as the Father sent me, so I send you. We'll never be successful at reaching the lost if we aren't first faithful in seeking the lost. We can't just stay in our believer's bubble, our holy huddle, whatever you want to call it, where we just hang around other Christians all the time. We've got to go to people with the gospel. That's what we're called to. Influence requires interaction, and so we've got to start with that. But once we have that, then we move to what we're talking about today. Once we seek out the lost, we've got to be faithful in speaking to the lost. Colossians chapter 4, starting in verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Let me stop right there and just give some explanation here. Uh, when Paul says, as he writes to the church at Colossae here, that he's in chains, it, Paul literally probably is in chains because he's actually under house arrest in Rome at this time. And the history records that he was being guarded by kind of the if you will, the SEAL Team 6 of his time. He was guarded by the elite praetorian guard of the Roman government. And so as Paul says that he is in chains, it, it, it is a, a chain, a chains in the sense that he is under a house arrest situation. And though the book of Acts says people could come to him and leave freely, he cannot go. He's, and he continues, he says, Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, speaking of the gospel, as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so you may know how to answer everyone. It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible about having an outward focus and reaching out to the lost. Let me give you a few takeaways straight from the Word of God here. The first thing is this. Opportunity to speak with others often begins with faithfulness to speak to God. 
I don't know if you're used to this or not, but would you just say that out loud? Would you repeat with me what's on the screen? Opportunity to speak with others often begins with faithfulness to speak to God. Where do we get that? We get that from verse 2 and 3. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. You know, a lot of times we think that the difference between somebody who shares their faith a lot and somebody who doesn't is all about preparation. But it's not always a bit just about preparation. A lot of times it's about prayer. The people I know who share their faith the most are always faithful to praying how Paul is praying here that God would open a door for them to speak to the lost and proclaim the message. Now, why is that? It's because prayer opens doors. Uh, you, this phrase right here that God would open a door for our message. What is an open door? What does that look like? Well, think of it, it's obviously a metaphor here. Think of it uh, as any of these doors in this room. Now, this is my very first time ever in this building. The only thing that I know is behind any door in this building is behind those doors because I came through them. All these other doors, I have no clue of what's behind them. But So if I go and open this door, just I just crack it, then what am I going to get? I'm going to get a, yeah, I'll get a little bit of a glimpse of what's behind it. But, or I could open that door all the way and I could see completely what is behind that door. I want you to think about speaking to the lost in those same terms. Because I think when we pray for open doors, we need to be prepared for both of those styles of open doors. You know, it, with a door, whether a door is cracked or whether it's all the way open, it's still an open door. And that's going to happen to you if you're willing and faithful to pray that God gives you an opportunity to speak to people who aren't saved. You're going to have some opportunities where the door is cracked just a little bit, and you're, you're going to see maybe a glimpse of where that conversation may go and a glimpse of an opportunity of what it could be like to share the gospel. And then you're going to have other times where the door is just wide open, and you can almost see where the conversation's going to go. You can see this is an obvious opportunity to share your faith. The question is, are, are you willing to walk through that door whether, when it opens? I want to give you some examples of what that, what that might look like. I'll start with a, a wide open door. The other day, I was at Starbucks, like I went this morning, uh, before I came here, I was at Starbucks, and how many of you like to drink coffee while you read the Bible? Uh, anybody? Oh, man, I think they go together so well. Uh, I, so I was drinking coffee, reading my Bible, and I'm sitting there just, you know, just studying, and this guy sits down beside me, and he looks over at me, and he says, hey, what kind of Bible is that? And immediately I thought, oh, man, this is an open door right here. God just asked me about, the, about my Bible. Of course, I'm going to turn right. I'm just going to carry on where this conversation has already been led by him. That's a wide open door to talk to somebody uh, or transition the conversation to the gospel. And so as soon as he said that, I, I answered him. I said, well, it's a New American Standard Bible. And then I said, well, hey, do you have a Bible? And then that immediately we started walking down the road. And he said, well, I've got one. I've got one at home. But he said, I, you know, 
don't really read it, you know, but uh, I said, well, hey, uh, I, I'm, can I, I'm reading right now. Can I tell you what I'm reading about? And I got the chance to share with him just a, just a gospel story, share with him uh, about the fact that while we were sinners, God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. And I just told him about the story I was reading right then in the Bible and how it connected to the gospel. Now, I'd like to just say that God prayed right there in Starbucks to receive Jesus. He did not, but God opened a door and I walked through that door and I, I haven't always done that. Even as a pastor, I, sometimes I blow opp clear opportunities God has given me, but I walked through that door and I can tell you from that conversation, it, it looks like God moved the needle in this man's heart. And that's what it's about. It's not always about the person praying to receive Jesus right there in front of us. History and research shows that a person hears the gospel an average of 15 times before they receive Jesus. So, so often we are the people not who lead someone to Christ. A lot of times we're person number two or person number seven or person number 10, where we're just moving that needle from somebody who is disinterested in receiving Christ to someone who's more interested and more interested and more interested. And maybe someday Maybe you'll be the person that is blessed with being the person that takes someone that final step toward them following Jesus. Uh, that's an example of a, a wide open door, but sometimes it doesn't play out that way, does it? You ever, you ever been in a situation where you think uh, the door has just been cracked a little bit and you, you're wondering in your heart, man, is this the Holy Spirit talking to me, saying to talk to this person about Jesus, or is this just a crazy thought I've got in my head? You know, that... Let me give you a story that, uh, that an experience that goes with that. I was back at that same Starbucks. I have a coffee problem, y'all. I was back at that same uh, Starbucks, and I, uh, then a few weeks later, and I was sitting down, and, and I was looking over some notes, and another, a man came and sat down across from me, and he was just waiting on his mobile order uh, that he had placed. And, and I, as soon as he sat down, and I, I don't know why, but I, just, I had this thought in my head, God uh, like God was saying, you need to start a conversation with this man and see what I do with it. But I, I wondered if it was just a crazy thought I had in my head, if it was just like my thought, because I'd just come back from India on a mission trip, and this man looked like he could have been from, uh, you know, from somewhere um, from another nationality. And, and so I, I thought, you know, maybe I'm just... Maybe I'm just thinking that way because I came back from a mission trip. Maybe this isn't a God-ordained encounter. But then I felt God say it again, why don't you just start a, start a conversation, just see where it goes. And so I'm, I'm, I'm working up the courage to, to say something. And then he looks at me and he says, can I ask you a question? And I thought, oh, hold on now. Well, we just went from a cracked door to a slightly more open door. God, you're going to do something. I was all on the edge of my seat just thinking, here, here it comes. He's going to ask me a question about, about God right now. God, you're so in this. And he looks at me and he says, I see that you're holding uh, an Apple computer. Do you think those are better than PCs? <laughs> you know, and for a split second, I was disappointed. And I, uh, uh, but he did hit on the area that I'm probably secondly most passionate about other than the gospel. I think Macs are way better than PCs. So, but uh, but, I, uh, but I, in that instant, I felt God speaking to me. And he said, he said, Jared, that man just started by looking at you saying, can I ask you a question? Now I want you to look right back at him and say the very same thing to him. You say, can I ask you a question also? And you, lead, and you turn it towards the gospel. 
So that's what I did. I looked at this man. I said, hey, you just asked me a question. I want to ask you one. I said, I, I think by your accent, I can tell that, that you're from another part of the world. I, I, I said, I, I always love meeting people from other uh, nationalities and asking them uh, what they think about God, who they believe God is. And I said, can you tell, can you tell me that? And that started an hour-long conversation in Starbucks where this man told me he was from the Middle East and that he was a Muslim. And he began to tell me all the things that he believed. And then I, I patiently listened. And then I said, can I tell you what I believe, who I believe God is and who his son is? And I told him the story in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those are examples. That's an example. That's what open doors look like. Sometimes they look like a wide open door where someone just says, hey, I see you're holding a Bible. And you just have an instant opportunity to comment and take the conversation towards the gospel. It may be for you, someone who says, uh, hey, what church do you go to? Or someone may say to you tomorrow, what did you do this weekend? And you can say, well, I did this, this, and this. And I went to Carpenter's Way. I went to my church. Uh, it may be a wide open door. It may be a cracked door where it's just a is something where you have to explore and see if God is working in that. But the main thing is this. Are you looking for those opportunities? Are you just thinking about yourself and, and living for Jesus? That's great that you're thinking about that, but it's not just about you. It's not just about you knowing God and living for Jesus. It's not just about you uh, loving God. The Bible says, if I love God, I'll obey his commandments. That's John 14, 15. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. And if I love Jesus, I'll obey his commandment to share Jesus. And if I want to share Jesus, I'm going to pray about opportunities. I'm going to pray that God would give me open doors to do just that. You know, too often, our prayer lists are just about us and other Christians. Uh, too often, uh, I felt so convicted about this years ago, too, I looked at my prayer list, and my prayer list was just me, about me, and all these other Christians I knew in my church that were sick and hurting, and me praying for earthly relief for those Christians. Nothing wrong with that, just horribly incomplete. Any prayer list that does not include lost people is not where it needs to be. We've got to pray for people to know and find Jesus. And we need to pray for us to, uh, to have the opportunity to share Christ with them. Our, uh, I love what J.D. Greer, uh, our newest president of the Southern Baptist Convention, has said. He said, if God answered every prayer you prayed last week, would anyone new be in the kingdom of God? That's a great question for you. If God answered every prayer you prayed last week, would anyone new be in God's kingdom? Are you praying for the lost? Are you praying for opportunities to speak to the lost? Let's pray people that are faithful to pray for open doors like the Apostle Paul did. The second thing I want us to see from the Scripture is this. God is the giver of clarity when we speak about Him. Look at verse 4. It says, Pray that I may proclaim it, talking about the message, the mystery of Christ, the gospel. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Now, by the way, the, the word proclaim in the Greek is, is not a word that means to preach or deliver a sermon. Uh, this is not a message just for pastors. This is a, a message, the, the word Greek in the Greek right here uh, for proclaim, it's just a word that means to be talk, to talk or to be, to be talkative. Uh, this is a, a, a message, this is a challenge for all of us. And I would add too that most people are going to respond better to a conversation than a sermon anyway, uh, especially outside of church. Uh, this is a challenge for all of us to proclaim God's message in our conversation. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, with clarity, as I should. 
You know, what's striking here is who's asking for this? The Apostle Paul. Uh, wasn't the Apostle Paul an incredible wordsmith? I don't know about you, he's, he's my favorite writer of Scripture to, to read. Man, I love uh, all the, of his letters in the New Testament. Amazing. So much of the great doctrine that we have in the Bible and the New Testament comes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit through Paul. Uh, and then Paul, obviously, is somebody who had experience with sharing the gospel, arguably the greatest evangelist in the New Testament. Uh, Paul, obviously, was an incredibly smart man. He was discipled under the most famous rabbi in the first century, Gamaliel. Uh, Paul is incredibly known for being somebody who can put his, put his words together very well. So, look, it's kind of striking here that Paul is the one praying for clarity. Why is Paul praying for clarity? Because he knows where clarity comes from. He knows where power comes from. And it's not just from being highly educated. It's not just from having experience. It comes from the gospel itself, and it comes from God. Think with me what the scripture says. Uh, Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of salvation for everyone who believes. You know, a temptation we have for a lot of us when it comes to speaking to the lost is we'll say to ourselves, ah, man, I don't know enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not experienced enough. Here's, here's what we all have if we're saved. We all have the gospel message, and we all have a story of what it's done to our lives. A lot of Christians wrongly think that we've got to have everything just right to be able to present the gospel. It's kind of like a, a few weeks ago, my wife and I, we went to this restaurant in Austin at the area, a fancy shopping center called The Domain. And we were eating at this really nice restaurant called Culinary Dropout. It doesn't sound like a nice restaurant, does it? But, but it is. Uh, but uh, we, I had ordered a, a burger and some fries. And I'm one of those weird people that... I don't eat my fries with ketchup. I eat my fries with barbecue sauce. Any weirdos like me in the room? Oh, we got a few. Okay, a few of us. All right. Well, uh, when I said I told the waiter uh, after he brought my, they always forget when you tell them that because they don't, I think they think that you're joking. But uh, when they brought me my fries, I said, "Hey, I, I really did want some ketchup, some barbecue sauce," you know, and. He said, all right. So he, you know, he goes, and this place is not crazy expensive. It's like, you know, a $10 or $15 burger. Not a nice restaurant, but not crazy expensive. And so, but he comes back with my barbecue sauce, and he can't just bring me my barbecue sauce. What does he have to do? On a really fancy, nice plate, ornate plate, he brings me this giant silver vessel full of barbecue sauce, and it's surrounded by lettuce, parsley, and 10 lemon slices, and he places it on the table, and he says, sir, your barbecue sauce. And, and I thought to myself, I even joked with my wife, I said, I just, I really didn't, you know, could have brought it a lot faster if he didn't do all that stuff, right? You know, I really didn't need that. I just wanted my barbecue sauce. But I got to thinking afterwards, I thought, I'm writing that down. That's a sermon illustration right there, because that's exactly how I have been so many times with the gospel. That's exactly the way I've treated the gospel, thinking to myself, you know what? I, I can't share the gospel because I've got to have the presentation just right or not, it's not going to work. You know, or I've got to memorize everything just a certain way and it's got to be perfect or I can't do it. I, you know, I should just wait until I've got it perfect before I present it. You know, there's a big problem with that. That's not true. 
And that puts the emphasis on me and not where the true power of the, uh, the, the gospel rests, and that is on Christ and on the cross and through the work of the Holy Spirit. I've seen time and time again times where I've said something wrong, forgot something I meant, I meant to say. I've seen time and time again where a new believer, somebody who's been, uh, been a believer less than a, a, a month, and they, they've barely begun to understand how church works and, and, the, and the, the story, the, the totality of the Bible, but they, they share the gospel and someone gets saved. Why? Because they were willing and God worked and the, because the power was not in them. The power was in the gospel. That's what we see Paul emphasizing all the time over and over. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 2, 1 and 2. He says, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Christ and him crucified. That should free us up as believers. It's not about our wisdom. It's not about our human eloquence. It's about the cross of Christ. It's about the story of the gospel. That's where the power is. We need to pray for open doors. We need to trust God for the power and the clarity. And then we need to be what the, Paul says here. We need to be wise about what works in reaching the lost. Look at verse 5 again with me. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. First, once again, we see implied interaction here. Paul is implying that I, as a Christian, will interact with outsiders. Outsiders meaning those who are outside the church. Paul is making clear that we will spend time as Christians with people who are lost. Uh, we're going to live out what Jesus taught what Jesus exemplified. We're going to live out what Jesus taught by parables over and over and over. You remember the, the parable of the lost sheep where Jesus said he would leave the 99 to find the sheep that was lost. That's right. We'd leave the 99. He'd leave the 99 to find the one. Same with the parable of the lost coin. Same with the parable of the lost son. Jesus places emphasis on going after and reaching the lost, going looking for them. But when we spend time with people that are lost, we need to make sure that we're doing it in a wise way. And implied to what Paul has said here is we need to make sure we're not being unwise as well. Uh, let me throw out some things that are unwise in reaching the lost today, things we need to be careful of. Uh, one thing we need to be careful of is making sure that when we're talking to people who aren't followers of Jesus, that we don't act like we're perfect and have it all together. That's, that's so, so important. There's so many people today, one of, some of the top research today about why people aren't giving their lives to Jesus in as, as much percentage as they used to be, one of the, some of the top research shows that people think that they can't come to Jesus until their life is perfect, that Jesus won't accept them. Of course, we know that's not the, 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 the way Jesus works. And we need to be careful as we talk to people that are lost that we don't try to act like we have it all together and, and act like they can, be, they can, you know what? Hey, uh, you want to live like I do. You know, just, just be like me. Look at all, look how perfect I am. Just look at, you know, look how much I don't mess up like you mess up. You know, we, we don't want to send those words. We don't want to send that tone. What we want to send the, the tone of is that of grace, that Hey, I may not be everything I'm supposed to be, but thank God I'm not everything I used to be. You know, I, I, I needed Jesus to come and fix my life up, you know, and I'm still not there yet. I'm still trusting him every day, and I'm still in need of his mercy every single day because I'm still a sinner. But 
God came in spite of my sin. He received me just as I am, just as I was. He came into my heart and he did a work and he took me just as I was and he made me into something different. And he started on the inside and then it went to the things that were on the outside. And, and God can do this very same thing for you. You don't have to be perfect to come to Jesus. One of the ways we can be careful and be wise in reaching the lost is not trying to act like we're perfect. Another thing we can do, and I wish every Christian would, would grasp this, is it may not be the wisest thing to give bold, condemnational, judgmental statements on social media. You know, getting on Facebook and Twitter and condemning non-Christians for their sin, expecting non-Christians to act like Christians when they don't have God inside of them anyway, when, when, they're, when they're not saved, expecting people who aren't saved to live like they are and condemning them publicly does us no good in reaching the lost today. Let me tell you what does work, what is wise in, in reaching the lost. One of the greatest shifts in evangelism today that we can, we can move towards is focusing on gospel conversations and not just gospel presentations. Gospel conversations and not just gospel presentations. How many, of you, how many of you agree today that the gospel never changes? Amen? That's true, isn't it? The gospel, the gospel never changes. The gospel story is still the same today. And, and the Bible says Jesus is the same, Hebrews 13, 8, yesterday, today, and forever. But while the gospel never changes, what does change a lot is how we present the gospel. Uh, church has changed a lot just since I, I grew up in, in church and the way we present the gospel has changed a lot uh, since I started coming to church. Uh, what's working today, what's connecting with people today, and more so than any other time, is gospel conversations more than gospel presentations. Instead of memorizing something that we try to force into every circumstance and try to make it work in every single conversation, becoming adept at having conversations that around Jesus and the gospel and adapting to what that conversation uniquely demands. Uh, I, I took my kids uh, a few weeks ago to one of those indoor trampoline parks. Do you guys have one of those around here? Man, they're so cool. So we showed up, and I did not realize it was their very first day to be open at this place. You know, I, we, we walk in, and we found out really quick that it was their grand opening and that we were their first customers when we walked in and everybody started taking pictures of us. You know, that's kind of weird. Uh, and so I'm walking in, everybody's taking pictures of me and my kids, and, and everybody comes over and shakes our hands. The architect is there for the building. The franchise owner is there. This is for Altitude Trampoline Parks, and this is in Round Rock. And so we, you know, after all the fanfare is over, they motion us and walk us over to the counter to, to, to get checked in and paid for our kids to jump. And so I'm there at the counter. I walk to the counter. I kid you not. Remember, we're the grand opening, very first customers. The lady looks at me and she says, sir, have you ever jumped with us before? <laughs> I said, no, ma'am, uh, I said, I, I think we're your very first customers and this is your very first day to be open, right? There, there's no way we could have jumped with you before. You've never been open before. She got all red, and of course, all her managers are watching, too, or watching her, too, and, and she looks at me, and she says, oh, she, I'm sorry. She said, you know, that was a presentation that they had me memorize, and they told me to say it to every customer, and, uh, you know, 
Immediately I thought, man, that's exactly what, what a lot of times people have done with the gospel. They've memorized this, only, this one way to share the gospel, this one presentation, this one sequence of verses, this one way, and they try to make it work in every single circumstance when it would be much better to pay attention to the person we're talking to and the uniqueness of that situation and transition the conversation towards the gospel. That is being wise toward outsiders. That's what's working today. And mind you, that's what Jesus did too, isn't it? Think about it. Let's take the example of the Jesus of the woman at the well. He's there talking with that woman at the well. Did Jesus pre- Show me any place in the Bible where Jesus presented the gospel the same way twice. You can't find one. You'll never see it. Show me any place where Jesus memorized a certain presentation. You can't find one. You can't show it to me. But show, show me places where Jesus took the natural conversation of what was happening and shifted it toward the gospel. It happens over and over and over. It's how Jesus witnessed. Jesus did it at the woman at the well. They're drawing water. They first about talk about their Samaritan Jew relationship. Then they talk about drawing water at a certain time of day. And then Jesus transitions the conversation about water to that of what? If you would just drink of this living water, you would never thirst again. Uh, Let me ask you today, would you be a person who would say, I am not going to be guilty of the sin of omission when it comes to sharing my faith. I'm not going to be part of the sin of silence. I'm not going to be a person that lives my Christian life just to know God. I'm going to be a person who lives my Christian life to know God and to share God and share the gospel. Let me read this scripture over you, uh, over us today, and I'll pray for us. Uh, The psalmist says in Psalm 40, starting in verse 9, I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. Hey, would you be a person that doesn't conceal what God has done in your heart? Would you be a person that boldly proclaims it? Hide and seek is a great game, but it's a horrible evangelism strategy. We we can't hide what God has done in us when we we seek out the people who need Jesus. Let's pray together. God, I pray for Carpenter's Way. Man, I know they have an incredible pastor. I know they're experiencing incredible growth. God, what would that growth look like? How, how would there be a multiplication if the people in this room would become ever increasingly faithful in praying daily that God would give them opportunities, open doors to share their faith, to share the gospel of Jesus? God, what would it look like if they trusted you for the clarity and power that comes with the gospel? God, what would it look like here in growing your kingdom and growing this church if they would be wise in the way they acted toward outsiders and made the most of every opportunity of being around somebody who doesn't know you. God, I pray uh, that there would be not only a revival in the hearts of Christians as they know you more and grow in their love and passion for you. God, I pray that there would be a rapid growth in people sharing their faith. And this room would be full of stories each week Uh, Oh, let me tell you who I talked to. Let me tell you who I invited to church. Let me tell you who I I shared with what I learned in my quiet time. Let me me tell you uh, uh, about who I shared the gospel story with. Let me tell you whose heart I'm praying that the Holy Spirit is working on. God, I pray that stories would be shared and that we'd see you at work. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.